This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. Hello, Allison. We are going to talk about trucks today between your vehicle repair questions. Uh, Our guest today is Ivan Drury. Ivan is a senior manager with the Insights Division at Edmonds, where he examines trends in the automotive industry and provides insights for Edmonds' monthly sales forecast. Ivan was also a guest on MPB's Money Talks show on April 28th, talking about buying a new vehicle during our pandemic. Welcome, Ivan. Hey, thanks for having me. We are so glad that you're able to join AutoCorrect today. We really want folks to call in and talk about their truck. What's the allure of trucks? Give us uh, your opinion on your truck or tell us your truck story. Um I've I've never been a truck person. So, Ivan, tell us a little bit about the pickup truck market in America. Well, the pickup truck market, I mean, it's really divided between the two, you know, size groups that we look at. So we've got the large, the full size, kind of like the F-150, the Silverado 3500s, and then you've got midsize, um, like something like Nissan's Frontier, which hasn't been redesigned in nearly 15, 16 years. Or like, a, you know, the Ford Ranger, which has been resurrected from the dead. But when you talk about pickups, most people lean towards the, you know, the larger F-150 and, you know, GMC 1500, things of that nature. And right now, when you look at sales, it is remarkable how many consumers are purchasing trucks and at the same time, how much they're spending especially compared to something like 10 years ago when the average truck price was in the low 30s, they're now transacting close to $50,000. So it's more like what's also the evolution of the truck, how it's gone from this purpose-built, very straightforward work mentality purchase to now it's a pupil hauler with luxury amenities that you could find on virtually any luxury vehicle. It will also be available on a truck. Are there many truck um, models available that aren't extended cab that have actually the the payload more payload space yeah that's a good point i mean if you look over time it really has evolved from that idea that you've got a single or regular cab and a bed and now virtually 75 to 85 percent of them are sold in either crew cab or extended cab and the idea that you're just going to be driving around with a bench seat up front has virtually been eliminated. Um, usually when automakers sell those, they go to the rental market. And it's you know something that you're going to find at the Enterprise or even the Home Depot has these for rent. So you can use them for really what trucks are meant for. But, you know, over time, as people have found that trucks are getting easier to drive, which is something that people have always complained about as well. You know, it's big, it's bulkier. You know, I don't want to, I, w- I won't know how to maneuver it, but with the invention of the backup camera, 360 cameras, you know, there's so much technology in them that make them such efficient people haulers that it's really easy to make the argument, well, if I'm going to buy an SUV, why don't I just buy a truck? 
and you know you're not going to be missing out and as far as amenities go or ride quality really it's just the you know, a little bit of mpg hit and at the same time is this thing going to fit in your garage yeah that's something you know i read that as in an article one time that these vehicles now are just getting too big for for garages yeah, they're actually quite gargantuan. Um, I mean, if you look at, especially if it's going to be a full-size crew cab with a long bed, I mean, I don't know what kind of garage you're going to have to purchase um, in order to make that happen. Even when I was shopping for trucks, I looked at it and I thought, well, th this is going to have to be parked outside. And this is when I was in Colorado and it's going to get, you know, the bed's going to be full of snow in the mornings and things of that nature. And it just didn't, it didn't make sense from that point of view. But it's one of those things where if, you know, you can deal with the climate and, you know, you can park a truck outside and not have to worry about it then you know it, it's perfectly fine but for a lot of folks i think they come to find out that you're almost having to purchase around the size of that vehicle um, the constraints that'll come along with it we're talking about trucks between your vehicle repair questions i'm liz gill we've got ivan drury from edmunds.com he can answer your truck purchasing questions and don't forget we've got allison walker the lady auto mechanic asc certified Allison, what's uh, something you'd like to ask uh, Ivan? Well, I'm I'm curious as to um, besides the utility of a truck, what would bring in people to to really want them? I mean, I I can't fathom why they're outselling other vehicles, just passenger cars and SUVs, which have held the market for so long, but they're uh, they're getting outsold. So I'm curious, uh, maybe if there's some research that Edmonds has done to find that out or why this upswing in, in sales of trucks. As much gas as they use, you wouldn't think that they would be the top sellers, is, is in my head, is what I think. Well, they've yet to reach the top seller status. They're really just clawing away at um, some of the existing market share from SUV and car owners. So if we look at from that you know, aggregate level, they represent one out of every five sales, roughly. Okay. Um, if you take midsize and, and full size combined. But really, that has increased over the last almost 10 years, you know, as we saw the economy recover. But also that trend, you know, was kind of spurred by, hey, take an SUV, go outdoors. And then so we saw that a lot of people gravitate towards SUVs. Now SUVs, and I mean also those, you know, compact crossovers that are really lifted, you know, wagons or hatchbacks when you look at them from a design point of view. You know, it's just they have all-wheel drive, and we call them an SUV. Those are really the number one segment overall. But we come to find that some consumers, once they've had kind of a midsize um, SUV or crossover, if you need more utility, really going to a large isn't going to help because it's, you know, unless you have more people to haul, then there's no rationale for it. But it's these outdoor activities or things that people are doing recreationally that also require a truck or they just make having a truck easier. And I know people that, you know, their kids have a lot of outdoor activities that they're throwing dirty stuff in the back of their SUV. And after a while, they get tired of having to clean that out or put tarps down and things of that nature. And it's just so much easier with the truck, um, you know, fuel prices. I mean, we've seen some wild swings over a decade, but they've been relatively low and consistent. I mean, if anything, we saw I that huge drop prices, a few months I ago. I where that would have a big effect on it, fuel prices. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a huge correlation there. Okay. 
but awesome. So, are you? Did you see a big upswing in sales on large SUVs that hold a bunch of people and are great for utility? Have you? Have you? It seems. It seems like I have seen a lot of them on the road lately. Yeah, there's definitely an, an uptick in large SUVs. Um, they also they have that, you know, the allure to drive people away from having a minivan. Uh, the minivan, which at one point in the 90s was actually a, you know, a very good seller, and people didn't have the same stigma as they do now. And you know, SUVs took over, and especially large SUVs. But when you look at that price jump between shopping a midsize SUV, like even the differentiation between a Tahoe versus its you know larger equivalent suburban. Or if you look at a you know a Toyota Highlander versus a Sequoia, you know it's a pretty big jump, and it makes it uh, very difficult for a lot of people. But at the same time, when you look at the the seating arrangement, some of them you really don't gain enough to justify you know that price jump, and really then you're also compromising on cargo capacity. So the large SUV kind of lives in this interesting segment in that you know yes it has seen more sales. But it's also kind of a status symbol, and the pricing that's come along with it is really indicative of people are loading them up with options. It's also following that same trend as the truck, where you know if you think of what it was like 10 years ago versus today, uh, it's a night and day difference. And you can say that with virtually any you know vehicle type, say a Camry or even a you know Ford Fusion, things of that nature. But how far they've come and price-wise how far they've jumped it just these two segments they really do over index in what people are spending on them and what kind of features you're going to get versus what they used to have well we've got three calls waiting let's go to we've got mike michael and chico let's go to mike first who's called in from corinth mike what's your comment or question for autocorrect today yes uh i have a 2009 toyota prius and um, since I retired, I don't drive much at all. Uh, it's been probably almost 12 months since I had the oil changed. Uh, but I've only put about 1,000 miles on it since the last oil changed. Uh, the dipstick uh, shows just slightly lower than the halfway mark on the source, how much oil is on the dipstick. My question is, should I go ahead and have it changed or not worry about it for a while? Well, it, it doesn't go through the heat cycles that it, it goes through when you're putting miles on it, which builds up sludge and condensation and that sort of thing in your oil. So since it's not doing that and it's just sitting there, um, then you don't need to change it. I, you could wait on that. So. It, it's not like an immediate thing or like there's anything changing that's happening to your oil while it's sitting there. Okay. It's very, they're generally very stable these days. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike from Corinth. We appreciate you calling in. More truck discussions with Edmund.com's Ivan Drury next. Hey, send your emails to us. Auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? We'll have a list of ones that are when we come back. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Hello. 
Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Hi, it's Rachel Martin with NPR's Morning Edition. People have stories about their car, that long summertime family road trip, that hand-me-down first car they got when they turned 16, the first car they bought on their own. And cars can generate other kinds of stories, like the kind you hear on this station. When you donate a vehicle to this station, the proceeds bring you stories from around the world. Here's how to get started. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Allison Walker. You know her. She's the lady auto mechanic. I'm Liz Gill, and our guest today is Evan Drury from Edmunds.com. Hey, if you want even more AutoCorrect, please find our podcast. It's on all podcasting platforms for your smart device. Real quick, here are the recalls for the week. There are uh, over 300,000 Volvo sedans, SUVs, and wagons from 2008 all the way up to 2020. Dealers will replace the seat belt anchor cable for both the front seats for free. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website. Remember, that's NH. TSA.gov slash recalls and inputting your VIN number. Hey, Allison, remember when we had that recall on those jack stands at Harbor Freight? Yes. The replacement jack stands are also being recalled. So I heard. I got the email from the CEO of Harbor Freight that he put out for everyone. So I, I read that yesterday. <laughs> so we're going to have a link to the recall of the recalls on our website. We're talking about trucks today, but we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Let's go to Michael, who is on the road. Michael, be careful. What's your comment or question for uh, uh, our Edmonds guy or our car mechanic gal? Uh, Edmonds guy, please. And, um, my question this morning is, what, what does the future look like for electric trucks, electric uh, pickups, uh, and, and so on? What does the future look like? Thank you. Michael, you ask a very important question. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, as far as a segment and what we're seeing, that's going to be explosive growth in regards to the offerings. So whether or not the sales are really going to be there, that's yet to be told. But, I mean, of course, you probably already heard about Cybertruck. Um, we've already been hearing the murmurs about where it's going to be built uh, near Austin. And then there was also um, near Tulsa. Is Cybertruck the well. Tesla one that's goofy looking? Yeah, that's the one that looks like it's from the 80s, 90s, uh, like quasi-futuristic, very edgy, almost origami kind of look to it. But, I mean, as polarizing as that vehicle is, on the complete, you know, opposite end, we have more, you know, let's say traditional, but there's the Rivian that's being launched as well. And that's a, you know, they've had a lot of money come through from both Amazon, from Ford. Ford's going to have an electric F-150 that's kind of based off of Rivian's technology. At the same time, Lordstown Motors, they're launching a truck. I mean, there are so many 
people who are getting into that segment that you know really the question is how many of them can come to market there's so many promises and there's so many people offering um, variations of all basically the same idea that you're going to have enough range to get you where you need to go and a little more because the idea is not just hey i'm driving point a to point b but a lot of these electric truck offerings, they're trying to appeal to that recreational segment too. So it's not simply a, you know, four wheels, lifted cab, and a, you know, a bed. They want to actually have these be very useful, have them able to tow properly, and not you know kill the battery and the range on that. So I think that for anybody who's holding out on you know electrification of this body style they are going to have so many t uh, selections to choose from and so many of them that really do seem very viable. And I think that's probably one of the most exciting places that we're gonna see growth and evolution in truck platforms. Um, of course, if you'd seen the F-150 and its redesign, they had also announced with that there will be a, a hybrid option and it's more of a, you know, a real hybrid versus some of these mild hybrids like the Ram 1500 has right now or what Chevrolet launched in the Silverado over a decade ago and subsequently does not offer anymore. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see the electrification of the truck platform. Thanks, Michael. We appreciate you calling in. Let's now go to Chico. Oh, Chico, we love your stories. We're so glad you've called in from Oxford. What's your comment or question today? Well, I don't have a story. I just I got a question for Ivan. Let's go. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see myself ordering a new truck anytime soon, but if I were to, I know what I would try to order, and I want to describe it to you, and you tell me if it's still possible to do such a thing. <laughs> what I'd like to get is uh, sort of a G.I. Joe truck, very utilitarian, uh, straight transmission, no air conditioning, roll-up windows, you know, manual windows, Mm -hmm. And um, uh, oh, and, and four door. <laughs> can, you special, can, you still, yeah. can you still special order a truck like that? You could get manual transmission and no electric windows, all that crap. You you'd be hard pressed to find any of what you're looking for right there. And honestly, that is kind of where a lot of consumers, you know, this idea that we're taking trucks and we're turning them into people haulers with luxury amenities versus what you're looking for, the traditional workhorse and right. really what it was based upon from the very get-go. And these things have, you know, evolved so far beyond that. I think the last time I heard about crank up windows was on that Nissan Frontier um, and it was you know lowest trim level. We're talking just a little midsize <laughs> truck I love and really no no air conditioning. I don't think I've heard of that. I well, have heard that you can go to fleet sales at the truck dealerships, especially on the Fords, because they do a lot of fleet sales, a lot of Ford fleet sales. I know recently that um, I had a friend that was able to get roll-up windows. So you may be able to get manual. I don't know if you can get it without air conditioning. I don't know why in the world you'd want it without air conditioning. To prove uh, how but, tough you are. But a manual transmission and roll-up windows, I can definitely get down with that. And, uh, and he was able to get roll-up windows. I think it had an automatic transmission, but he was able to get the roll-up windows. Well, I'm going to look into yeah. that because, you know, if I'm going to get a truck, I need one I can use. 
and can fix. If it's, you know. And can fix, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I sure appreciate it, y'all. Thanks, Chico. We love having you call in. Uh, if you have a truck story, do you have a truck? Fight me. Fight me on this. Tell me why you love your truck. Um, if you are thinking about getting a truck, we'd love to have you call in and speak with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com. If your current vehicle, you need a little bit help uh, with that, providing TLC, that's what Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is here for. Ivan, we have an email that's for you. I hope, uh, let's see if you can answer this one. I live in Fairhope, Alabama. I am widowed, and I have three vehicles all paid for, and I don't want to get part with any of them. I have a 2013 Honda CRV that I drive every day, and I love having a vehicle that I can haul things in. I have a Mercedes uh, 2011 E350 that was my husband's car and a 2006 Miata all are in great condition my question is is there an SUV on the market that would ride as smoothly as my Mercedes my children live in Memphis and Tampa and the Mercedes is my road car and I love it for long trips. I don't want to give up the Honda or the Mercedes but if I could find an SUV that could replace both I might consider it in the future. So this is uh, from uh, Eleonora. Yeah, actually that's a, she's a kind of in a great situation. I mean all vehicles paid off. Um, and dealers will take more than one vehicle as a trade-in, so she'll be in a very good positive equity situation, right? So if you combine those two and take him to the dealer, but I guess the real question really is, you know, what vehicle's right for her? And the good thing is that SUVs have evolved so much down the road versus the SUV of 10 or 15 years ago that was built on a truck platform and really rode and drove like a truck, that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, you'd have to buy like a Jeep Wrangler or a Toyota 4Runner in order to just get that same drive experience or even something like Ford's new Bronco that they're launching that's built on a full frame. Virtually 95% of all these SUVs that are sold today will actually be like that Honda CRV. but they'll be even closer in ride quality is something like the Mercedes just because they have been altered to the point where they really are a lifted car. And that CRV that she's driving right now, it actually is a Civic platform that's been altered to be an SUV. But in today's day and age, I'd really suggest anything that's got a bit of weight to it because uh, slightly heavier vehicles always ride a little smoother. So I'd look at something that's in the midsize, probably forty-ish thousand dollars. Um, you'll be able to find something that has a good blend of you know nice technology features ride and handling and good fuel economy because it sounds like she's going to be doing a little bit of driving um, i would even suggest looking into a mid-size uh, hybrid suv what about some of you know i i don't know to me mercedes is mercedes um is there uh is there a mercedes suv is there a lexus suv or something like that 
Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go, if you want the hybrid route, the Lexus RX SUV is one of the best-selling, longest-standing nameplates in the business. And it's a good blend of size. You can buy it in, like, a standard wheelbase or an extended. It sounds like for her purposes, if she wants more cargo space, I'd go with the L. It just means longer, essentially, and has a longer wheelbase and it has more cargo capacity. But if you look at Mercedes, they've had a ML, which is now... Uh, GLE, and that's been one of their best sellers. BMW sells both an X3 and an X5 that are kind of in that that price point, as well as ride quality um, will be good. Anything small, if it's another small SUV, the the ride isn't as good because the wheelbase isn't long enough to help soak up all the the bumps in the road. So in this case, I'd actually say going bigger is a little better, and that'll help with the smoothing out. Fantastic. Well, we've got some phone calls. Let's go to Lynn in Philadelphia. What's your comment or question for AutoCorrect? Thanks for calling in. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, actually, the person who called about the GI Joe truck, I had a I had a comment, um, and I've driven pickups and trucks for my work all my life, all my working life. And we've gone from thinking we had to have manual transmissions for the durability to never wanting another manual transmission for the durability. We, we run close to 14,000 pounds most of the time, uh, you know, loaded or unloaded. And with the manual transmissions, we would go through, throw out bearings, clutches, and pressure plates at least by 75,000 to 100,000 miles. And we run these automatics that are tougher than anything right now. Two and three. What truck is it exactly? Is it Ford or Chevy or... We've run them all. We have run them all at one okay. time, and we were running the Ford uh, Super Duties, and uh, and they had, uh, you know, whatever transmission they had, a five-speed, even a six-speed from time to time. But uh, you would have a throwout bearing go out or a pressure plate, doing the best you could do, shifting as, as uh, clean and, and as um, not riding clutch, and you'd still have them go out. And that's a thousand-dollar fix at the at the least back then. So when they put me in a automatic transmission truck, my boss said, he said, Lynn, he said, I know this is going to ruin your manhood, but, but you've got to drive an automatic because we just can't get the, the package we want. And so I said, well, I'll submit. I'll just do it. Well, it wasn't long until I, after we ran 250,000 miles with absolutely no transmission issue, we realized that, uh, you know, we were, we were, uh, probably barking up the wrong tree there and so all my farmers all my customers now most of them run these uh, uh, one tons and heavy tons with an automatic transmission pulling cow trailers equipment trailers and all this kind of stuff and never have a transmission issue um, anymore so I mean that's my that's my story and uh, that's my experience and I just thought I'd make that comment on uh, not being able to find a manual transmission truck. Well, thanks, That's Lynn. Awesome. I think sometimes under the impression too that you needed manual mostly for pulling. My dad—that's what he used manual transmissions, but he was having to replace little shift linkages and stuff like that. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. you know, I, I think it has to do with the, with with gear moving parts, and um, you know, a lot of the the heavy equipment tractors and things like that—they actually operate on a hydrostatic system. They got a motor that turns a hydrostatic pump, which you know does all the work and so again fewer moving parts fewer things meshing together and uh just more durability and uh, you're not losing any strength there at all that's awesome 
Okay, well, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Thanks, Lynn. We appreciate you calling in. We're talking trucks today with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com, and we're taking more of your vehicle repair questions next. What's an unreliable car not to buy? We're going to get to that in a bit. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think "Eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. I'm Liz Gill, and I hope that you've downloaded our app for your smartphone. It's the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click the support button and make a contribution because, gosh, we really rely on contributions to purchase our national programming, to keep the lights on here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for your contributions to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Now, Consumer Reports rounded up the poorest used models of the past decade. Today, we're going to caution you about the VW Jetta. Volkswagen's most popular U.S. model has featured many reliability issues since 2010. In the 2014 through 16 model years, the issues with the audio system, interior finish, and power equipment like windows and cruise control has hurt its consumer reports surveys. And the 2010 Jetta featured many of the same problems along with problematic climate systems and other electrical components. So please consider reading up on the reliability of this car before purchasing it as a used car, suggests Consumer Reports. Carcomplaints.com is another resource for unreliable car lists. But if you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis. He's reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for over 25 years. And his YouTube channel is at Auto Casey. Um, Allison, I watched it. He just posted a review just the other day of the Bolt, and he's wearing his MPB T-shirt that we sent him. And he gives a shout-out to AutoCorrect. Oh, that's awesome. So we'll have a link to that. But today we've been talking about trucks with Edmund.com's Ivan Drury. And, uh, you know, Edmunds, man, they've got uh, car reviews. They've got lots of information about all kinds of vehicles that you might be interested in. They give you lots of good tips for helping to purchase your vehicle. Man, that's how that's where I've always gone when we've tried to go uh, purchase vehicles to see if we're getting a good deal. So we hope you'll call in and uh, talk with us about your truck with uh, Ivan or speak with Allison if you need a little bit of help getting fixed up. We've got a couple of calls on the loan on the line. 
Let's go to Franklin, who is calling in from on the road. Be extra safe on that driving, Franklin. But uh, what's your comment or question for our crew today? All right. So, well, two comments. One, I have an 08 F-250 gas uh, with roll-up windows. <laughs> it, it does have air conditioning, but it's got crank windows. Um, so at least up till 2008, I know they're still doing that. Uh, two, I bought the truck um, uh, for a very little amount of money. Uh, it's got 197,000 miles on it, and the check engine light's on it. it I had the code pulled, and it's the catalytic converters. I don't drive it except for, you know, on the weekend, Home Depot run and whatnot. Is it something I really need to go and get fixed? Now, I guess quoted like $800 to get both of them done. Um, so, yes, it is something you need to get fixed right away or as soon as you can because it could be that the catalytic converter is getting melted, which is an expensive fix, basically running rich. If you're lucky, yeah. it's just an O2 sensor is reading wrong, which is like a $90 part. So best to go ahead and get that checked out. What could be making it run rich is an O2 sensor reading wrong and it telling the car to run rich, mm -hmm. causing it to mess with your catalytic converters. What also could be happening is a leaky injector, an injector staying open and it's, and it's burning up your catalytic converter. So you have a few things that could be going on and so you need to get that diagnosed properly and then fixed as soon as possible because it, it could be a cheap repair now or it could yeah. be a very expensive repair later. It could be one that cost me more than a truck did. <laughs> Possibly. Awesome. Catalytic converters it. can be very expensive to replace. They can be around $2,000 easily. Yeah, on that one, I've got two of them. Yep. <laughs> Well, there thank you, you very much for your time. Appreciate it. You're, you're very welcome. Franklin, we're so glad that you've called in. Let's now move on to Florence, and Roger has called in. Roger, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. What's going on? I got two, uh, two points. One is about a brand-new truck I just bought from a, uh, a manufacturer, uh, a Japanese manufacturer, but it's made in this country by U.S. citizens. It's the only truck that that brand sells. They've been selling them 10 years or so. I'm trying to try not to identify it. But your <laughs> truck expert will know exactly what I'm talking about. The, the 220, uh, 2020 model, and it may be the same as last year, I don't know, uh, has an eight-speed automatic transmission that's very smooth. It has a cylinder retirement. Deactivation. You know, as you call that. It also shuts the engine off if you stop for a stop light while you have your brake on, cranks it up again when you take your foot off the brake. As you know, for one of its main selling points has been that under the bed there is a nice storage facility that doubles as an ice chest, has a drain in it. The rear bed has a 110-volt plug there so you can plug a boom box in the tailgate opens both flat to extend your bed or sideways etc etc and then it has all the electronic features and so there's a and that truck 
is around the 40 grand rather than around the 50 grand uh, that you might pay for those features. It's all-wheel drive, etc., etc. It's just a wonderful truck. Well, Roger, what kind is it? Well, do you want to know the brand? Oh, you bet. It I, is a Honda Ridgeline. Now, my okay. other question is, and boy, I hate to admit this over the line, especially since I gave my name, but I left the sunroof open, Miss Mechanic, uh, oh, no. the, other morning, the other morning, and suddenly we had one of those real heavy showers. It wasn't open much, but it was open plenty. And it flooded, I mean, just flooded the floorboards, of course, the central console, and it even ran water down into the, I don't know what you call it, but the console up between, the, up where the rearview mirror is and where the controls for the sunroof are, and there was water actually dripping down at the windshield point a foot, a foot forward of the opening for the, for the sunroof. I got a lot of water in that thing. It's in the shop now, and they're going to replace that, at least replace that headliner area. But the controls and the console were indicating I was in reverse. The lights were on. I wasn't in reverse. <laughs> I drove to the shop and turned it in, and they're going to fix it. What, my question for you is, in your experience with water damage, interior water damage, that obviously has already affected some either just lights or electronic controls in that in that uh, console it has its push button that's the uh, that's how it's controlled uh, in your experience is that a pro long-range problem or are they going to be able to fix it of course I dabbed out all the water I could but I mean it it, it was flooded uh, sure. well uh, are you having any other problems with it right now since they fixed those couple of Situation. I haven't gotten it back yet. It's it's uh, they're having to send off the parts. <laughs> this doesn't happen very often. <laughs> uh, yeah, this no no it really it really doesn't. But it can total a car. That's ex it, exactly what they told me, and the insurance company hasn't told me anything specific yet. They've authorized the repairs, so I don't know what that means. But they're waiting to see if it's going to have problems, probably. So that's it. something that you may not know until you get it back on this sometimes it's okay sometimes it's not all right well, well you want to also check see if it's a branded title afterwards if they're going to deem this as a salvaged vehicle and which will hit you in the long run if it even if it runs properly uh the resale value will be diminished greatly compared to a, a clean title yeah i'm sure i'll i'll find that out uh i'll keep it probably anyway because i've well, i haven't paid for it yet but i will pay for it but Okay, two things then. That's a wonderful vehicle for a reasonable price compared to the, I guess it's probably a midsize, isn't it? Probably about the size of a Dakota or something. But but it's a turn and a half. I mean, a 1,500-pound bed capacity, 5,000-pound towing capacity, and all the bells and whistles and everything else. I just think it's a fine, fine vehicle that drives well. And then my other point is, what am I up against now, having flooded the interior? Okay, thanks for both of you. Uh, wonderful program. Thank you. Well, good luck with that. I really hope that you're able to get it back and not have little problems and that sort of thing on that. There's a, a, a chance of that, but it, you, it may not. But you've already driven it a little bit since then, and you just had that other little problem go on and 
so you're able to drive it at all is great so we'll see how it goes let us know i'm curious myself how it turns out thanks roger we always appreciate you calling in we have been discussing trucks and taking your vehicle repair questions. You can always send us an email. Our address is auto at mpbonline.org. What's in the news? Allison, I just about had a fit when I saw this in the news the other day. We're going to talk about it. And this is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. is autocorrect if you've missed any of our live program don't forget you can listen to the whole show on our webpage, autocorrect.mpbonline.org i'm liz gill i'm with the lady on mechanic allison walker ase certified our guest today is ivan drury from the vehicle information website edmunds.com we hope everybody will stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m at southern remedy kids and teens with dr morgan mcleod okay ivan backstory allison and i both have dodge grand caravans Dodge Excellent. is going to he didn't end. Start laughing at it. <laughs> no, because it is one of those vehicles that I always tell people: if you've got more than one kid, just buy yourself a minivan, save yourself the headache. I know many people who actually enjoy them, but the stigma turns them away. But I, I admittedly. Uh, when it comes to rentals or when it comes to people with children, I always recommend minivans. Well, and here's no, the, the, my the thing. The thing is cool, but we go ahead, Liz. My we thing is I bought mine the first year they got the lay flat. I had had a Windstar and I, you know, hefted those bench seats in and out of it. Mm-hmm. But when they came up with that lay flat, you stow just. Stow and go. Yep. The stow and go. <laughs> Man, that's magic. And I can, I would put my Grand Caravan up against any truck for payload size. Now, you know, it can't really haul a kayak or a pounded sand, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if it's raining, your stuff's not going to get wet. But anyway, Dodge is going to end production of both the Grand Caravan and the Journey after the 2020 model year, leaving the brand without a front-wheel drive crossover for the first time since 2008 and without a minivan for the first time in nearly four decades. Dodge, which helped usher in the minivan era, is now fully dedicated to muscle. Ivan, I am just heartbroken. I'm not. Well, <laughs> well the, the, the hated part is our electrical systems just always go wonky, but. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, don't be in too much despair. The, the sister-cousin car, the Pacifica, the Chrysler Pacifica, is right. still being manufactured. And they even have a hybrid now. Oh, actually, a plug-in hybrid version of that. Oh, well, man, oh, yeah. I just uh, 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 can't stand Nostalgia. it. Nostalgia. All right, here we go. Let's. We've got four calls. Let's see what we can plow through. Diane in Ocean Springs, thank you so much for calling in. What's up with you? Diane, we're so glad that you have called in. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com and Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic. Diane, what's your comment or question? Well, I have a 2009 uh, Toyota Venza, and in my dashboard I have this symbol that says it looks like a horseshoe. And then when I get it, it has something to do with my tires, and I'm not exactly sure what it is. But uh, my car tends to go to one side, but every time I get ready to put air in it, it doesn't need any air. Can you explain this horseshoe symbol to me? Yes, I certainly will. When I worked at Toyota, we constantly had people coming in with that light on, and they'd aired their tires up, and they're wondering, why is this light still on that has to do with your air pressure? It's because you have a spare tire that needs to be checked. So check that. Lots of times that's what it was versus, say, one of those little sensors had went bad. So check your spare tire and see if that makes the light turn off. If it doesn't, then you'll have to take it somewhere and get the the, there's a, a different computer just to read tire pressure monitoring systems and that can tell you what's going on with your sensor sensors. Okay. But that more than likely it's your spare tire that needs a little bit of air probably. Okay. And what about the going venturing uh, venturing off to one side? Would that be like an alignment or something? Yes. Yeah, I would I would get in the check it out. Have you hit any potholes or do you or anything hit anything lately or uh, I've done a couple of things. <laughs> okay. Then it, it's possible it's bent something, but they can tell from going, when you get in alignment, they can tell you what's going on with it. Okay. If it's right. bent something and, and get that corrected for you. All right. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, You're Diane. Welcome. Let's move on to Sherry in Madison. Sherry, thanks so much for calling in. What's up? Um, good morning. Good I'm morning. in Meridian. Um and I have a Chevrolet 1995 S10 four-cylinder standard. And is there a known defect with the spark plug popping and jumping out? And what can I do about it? There's a known – has it done that on your vehicle? And, and a couple of others that I've talked to that have, have had a similar problem. I haven't heard of a fix for that. I haven't ever had anyone ask me about that problem. It's a little bit older vehicle, but um, I would Google it and see if there's a problem. If it were me, that's the first thing I would do is to see if there's a sheath or something that they put in there with the spark plugs to strengthen those threads in there to keep the spark plugs from doing that. Uh, so I'm guessing they had, there is a fix for it, but I haven't personally heard of that or dealt with it. Okay. Okay. I'll try Google it and look up about that. 
solution. Uh, I'll try to that, or just that. running new threads in the, into there, possibly rethreading it, maybe strengthen it. But um, anyway, I, yeah, I, I haven't heard of that before. Thank you. All right, thanks, Sherry. Um, uh, we're not really going to have any time for Roger or Jamie. Send us an email. Our address is auto at mpbonline.org. Quick, real, real quick, Ivan, we got an email. Are there any good hybrid or electric pickup trucks? You talked about the future. We've got 30 seconds. What's the present? Okay, so right now the only one you can get is a Ram 1500. Um, their V6 comes standard with a mild hybrid. The V8 has an optional hybrid. It's called an e-torque. But if you wait about a year, year and a half, because um, I don't know the exact delivery date, but the F-150 is going to have a hybrid option coming up, and, and then the slew of electrics will come uh, shortly thereafter. Man. This is, I love being with these experts. This is great. <laughs> That's going to, this has been a great show. This is going to wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. We thank all of our MPB personnel. You know, we've, we're kind of changed it up and I can't even see who was the call screener today. It could have been Jay White. Yeah, it was Jay White. And our board engineer is Michelle McAdoo. So for Allison Walker, who you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as the lady auto mechanic, I'm Liz Gill. Hey, don't forget to go to Edmunds, E-D-M-U-N-D-S dot com. Ivan Drury has been our expert, but we hope you join us each Thursday for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.